0: Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikov, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week, we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. (music) Okay, hello, hello! Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Laura Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. Hey, stranger.
1: What's going on? I'm Lawrence Henderson from Business Operational Support Services LLC, aka Boss. I'm doing awesome. How are you, Laura? Sun? Is it? Is the sun shining there?
0: It is. It is finally came out, which is so nice after weeks of being trapped inside with a puppy who uh, was not done with his vaccinations. We finally finished him last Thursday and then it did like nothing but rain like just rain and rain and I was so desperate to take him out and exercise his destructive little butt (laughs) and I was like and it just kept raining and it kept raining and so yesterday it finally cleared up so yeah so we're we're able to actually go outside and enjoy the sun and I've been exercising him so much that he is now looking at me like I'm torturing him when I take him for a walk because he's just like I've like walked him out he's just done with the walking
1: that's an awesome place to be
0: it really is and I can't complain and you know him being done doesn't mean I haven't continued to do it <laughs> 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 because I'm tired of him you know devouring things that he has mm-hmm. I don't want him destroyed. so he needs like he them. needs to be worked out so yes that's yeah. that's it I'm enjoying the sunshine and he's making a lot of noise but
1: as long as you're working it out and that that leads us to today's topic I have for you
0: oh detail.
1: yeah so you've actually written some articles about this topic and I think it's particularly important how are you doing with setting boundaries
0: oh yeah well yeah so <laughs>
1: there's a number of ways to take this one
0: there there are um... So, I would say that I think, like a lot of people, I am uh, better at it in some places or some aspects of my life than in others, right? I think one of the hardest things about um, boundaries is that for those of us who struggle with them, I think we we often focus on getting better in certain areas, and we don 't always extend it to others um, so, I would say that you know kind of my my journey with boundaries has been um, uneven at best. I think that the um, the places that I've seen the most progress have been probably on the work front. Um, I think that you know the struggle I'm having right now is that. I have a 14 week old puppy who's biting my hands underneath my desk right now. And, and there's a part of me that's like, Oh, boundaries. And the other part's like, Oh no, he's so cute. So I think, you know, that it, I think that's kind of an interesting metaphor in some ways for this, because, um, you know, parts of, parts of my life where I've noticed a lack of boundaries create a problem. I've been much more aggressive about locking those down and getting better about it. Um, others where maybe I haven't always had as much, uh, price to pay for not having boundaries, um, sometimes come in a little bit later and then I kind of look at it, you know, like on my personal life, I'm like, Oh, Hey, what do you know? It's the exact same habit. Why am I not applying the same technique that I know works in other areas to that? So I think, I think the thing that's been, um, clearer to me as I've gotten older is that that, that kind of that need for boundaries is fairly consistent. Um, I think the thing that, um, caused me to be more uneven is that like, you know, for many years, I really focused way more on work. Like I, I really largely neglected my personal life. And so it, it took, um, a few extraordinary circumstances to realize that, oh, no, no, that boundary problem is actually just as bad in my personal life. I just didn't have as many triggers kind of bringing it to the surface as I did in work on a daily basis. And so I think that's probably my biggest lesson is that, yes, the problem and the solution are the same, but the extent to which you're invested in one area of your life or another, or you're having, um, kind of an, a broad enough circle of people testing your boundaries because I think that's really the biggest thing that happens right is that people and circumstances test your boundaries and test your willingness to hold your boundaries um, and some people in some circumstances are easier to resist than others or they're easier to push back on or or you know you know we also know there are different people that come into our lives that might be particularly good about pressing our buttons and you know when we say pressing your buttons it's not just you know pissing you off or you know getting you you know hot under the collar sometimes the buttons they're pressing are you know, your need to prove yourself or your need to be, you know, the one who knows everything. Or like, I mean, we we have a lot of different buttons that different people are capable of pushing. Um, and sometimes those will inspire us to break our own boundaries or or push the limits of our own boundaries way more than we would if a different person or a different set of circumstances emerged. So I think I think that's the part that you start. Um, unraveling, I think, as you get more into understanding where, you know, where you've let things slide for too long or where you've kind of, you know, you know, I mean, how many times have we said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll deal with it later. Or I can, I can live with that. It's not a problem. And then later you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I can't live with that. That's making me miserable. Or I'm ready to kill people. Like, and so, you know, I think, again, this is one of those things. I think it's better for a lot of us as we get older, you start learning that no, you know what? If at the beginning of the relationship, you're thinking you're gritting your teeth and saying, okay, I can live with that. That's probably not a good sign.
1: <laughs> I, I See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was a great one for today. And I think the last, man, the last month has been a doozy for boundaries for me. Um, just as it pertains to business stuff. And like you said, there's, there are the buckets, right? And with being one in isolation and in covid everything was just kind of bleeding on each other and then you start mixing in the, the crazy mental anguish of social injustice and identity and all these other buckets and things that and people are tugging on you for different things and i've really come to this place now where no is a complete sentence for me um and i qualify that and i kind of put things in its proper perspective by um, setting the edges of my boundaries, uh, around how it's serving me. And you alluded to, um, saying, uh, grimacing, but still continuing to do something like that. You, you might be in trouble. You might be setting yourself up for something. And I've been in that place and me and my wife had a good laugh this morning on the porch when we were talking about the way, uh, my former way of friending. Um, and I am one of those people that, uh, She was like, you friend hard. And I was just like, whatever. Well, That's such
0: a great expression because it's so, it's so, um, it's so evocative. Like when you say that, you're like, no, no, I get that. I know what, I know what you mean by that. Exactly. I've never thought of it that way, Yep. but it's actually an extremely incisive way of of putting
1: it. Yeah, no. And, and what she was saying is like, it's not bad that you do it. She was like, but your boundaries, how do you get there? like so fat. And I was like, every default button. If you say yes to me, you're my friend. And she was like, you're intense. And everybody is not here for that. And what I started doing, I started being aware and present in how I was in those relationships. And what I quickly began to find out, I'd be tired after talking to certain people. And to your point, I would grimace, like, but they're calling me. They must need me. Like, no, they're using you. And, and so the way she was using words and I was qualifying, I was like, and to your point, I was saying, no, that's just this situation. It's not all situations. Well, when I started putting the same lenses on and looking through the same eyes of qualifying things and how they serve me, are they taking from me? Are they attracting? What are they building me up? Are they strengthening me, encouraging? And is it a reciprocal type of environment? And man, it came up more no's than, than yeses. And I think, and, and I was lending energy to make up for where people weren't showing up for me or situations weren't ideal for me, but I was continuing to say yes to, because I thought I was bringing value, but I was actually, again, sucking myself dry by showing up and saying yes to everything. Um, and I love that Jim Carrey movie where he's just like, say yes. And then by the end of the movie, they're like, I you were never supposed to say yes to everything. Just those things that made sense to say yes to. And yeah. he was like, Oh, <laughs> that's how I feel about boundaries like oh I should have said something around that
0: well and I think you know the thing that that became really um and again this was actually one of those pieces of one of the many pieces in Brene Brown's work that just hit me like a ton of bricks was was I don't think I had fully appreciated and it sounds so dumb in hindsight when I say it, because it's like duh how did you not notice this but like the relationship between breaking your own boundaries and feeling resentful and it was so um you know resentment is one of those things that i i used to carry so much of it and it you know it gets super toxic after a while like you can you can be a little bit resentful in the moment and then let it go but resentment builds and it's super cumulative over time and especially when you start feeling like um you're seeing a situation or a pattern or a relationship where Really, it's just piling on and piling on and piling on. Like it doesn't go away and it just continues to build on itself. And I didn't ever, it took me a really long time to start understanding that those situations are a natural consequence of me not holding my own boundaries. And I didn't, I really didn't see the direct connection there until. I really started getting into Brené Brown's work. And when she started talking about how the people who, you know, live the most wholehearted life and really, you know, like that was, they are the most boundary and they're very clear about that. And when she started getting into that, I was like, Oh my God, how did I miss that? Oh, well, there's the puppy. Anyway. um, And so, you know, that was really, um, that was a really huge epiphany for me. And then when I started going back and looking at the places where, you know, for me, And I I wrote this in, you know, the email that I sent out this week. For me, what always happened, and again, this is where I saw the pattern in work, but I didn't see it in my personal life because I spent more time and effort in my work life. Um, I did see the pattern in my personal life when it emerged, but it took a while and I I wasn't as focused there, is that, you know, the resentment would build, the resentment would build, the resentment would build. And then what I discovered about myself in that is that I have a point of no return, (laughs) you know? And, and, um, and it's, in some ways it's a lot uh, higher of a bar than, than for other people. And I'm, I'm pretty good about kind of resetting. And, and I used to do that a lot with my temper where I would like blow up and then go back to zero and start over. And I'd, you know, get upset and then I'd blow up and I'd go back to zero. And it was this it was a cycle. And um, it took, it took a long time before I ever had anybody push me so hard and so, so hard and so far that I just hit a like point of no return and part of what i realized was um that was happening i was seeing that, happen, that pattern emerge right where like i would allow things to push me so far so far and i would grin and bear it and grin and bear it and grin and bear it and grin and bear it until i couldn't do that anymore and then it was then the situation was um, was just irreparable right like oh, oh my god Puppy. Um, there was no, there was no bringing it back. There was no, um, there was no like actually resetting it at that point. And unfortunately what I was really doing was not giving somebody the opportunity to change or fix their behavior. Um, because I wasn't saying anything, I was just grinning and burying it. And then all of a sudden I was like exploding and there's, and, and, you know, uh, my old business partner, Elijah actually bu- busted me on this a number of times where he's like, I didn't even know you were a little bit mad, much less like about to combust, like, give me a heads up next time. So I don't like, he's like, I don't want to piss you off. It's not my role in in your life here, right? Like, I don't want to be doing that. But if you don't tell me that, okay, that was annoying, please don't do that again. I'm going to keep doing it until you're ready to kill me. And like, there's a, there's a spectrum there. We don't need to be climbing. And I, I really... It took me a long time to recognize those kind of early stage patterns enough yeah. to get off that train before we hit that inevitable wall. Um, but it was it was hard and it took other people sometimes pointing out to me that I was doing it because mm-hmm. I was just in a, in a habit of, you know, needing to prove myself. So, oh, no, no, I can take it. I can take it. I can take it. Uh, which is an idiotic way of of handling things. And it certainly doesn't serve me well in, in the long run because I would hit that point of no return. And, and in a work setting, I would just quit. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And I can't even tell you how many times I have quit a job with nowhere to go, not enough money saved to, for that to be reasonable and just walked out the door. Like, and it's like, and that was my like preferred kind of form of temper tantrum in that setting. And it's like, wow, that was utterly avoidable. Every single time you put yourself in that position, dummy, what, what the hell are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. But no. A lot. You absolutely described me as an Army officer. And in positions of authority where it is in command and control environments, it is almost expected to have that kind of uh, reaction uh, when you can, in your head, say that it was warranted. And that just that emotional roller coaster. And, and I'm so grateful for the work of energy leadership coaching and how we show up. And then just the just the understanding of catabolic versus anabolic energy of, you know, that those level one and level two energies of how they're they're detractors. But again not saying any level is wrong, but understanding what it is right what the use of that type of energy is for instead of trying to use it often and I got to a point like you said you those those high highs and those low lows would come and it would ebb and flow so fast for me that I thought it was productive and again it's what you it's that old that, that old thing of um what what people react to you repeat and so what I would when I would get immediate reactions I would do it again because I'm like oh I got something out of it last time and I think that's how a lot of people in organizations and people you condition people a certain way like all right if I didn't get that reaction out of them um that must be something I'm not supposed to do like and it, but it was like reinforcing bad stuff like but
0: you know what that reminds me of your what you said was it last week or the week before when you said practice doesn't make perfect it makes no, it permanent, makes
1: permanent. Yeah. And, yeah and and that's where a lot of that came from because it was like dude you keep they all right you keep doing it that way they're going to repeat that and 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 it just became like well sir and like your, your business partner's point was like we didn't know you were mad about that until you like flew off the handle and crazy enough i had soldiers who would just hold it was like it was holding cards like, we're going to wait till he blows up. Then we're going to know we're doing the right thing or he, what he actually wants because he can't communicate effectively. And that's his way of communicating instead of creating those environments where we were having dialogue. And, and then I got to this point where I was like, all right, big, big boy, big girl rules. If, if I'm doing something that's off the wall and it doesn't seem like it makes sense to anybody, stop me. You, you have, I said, guess what? I'm not going to like it at the beginning. I said, but you're going to help me out right i said you all are the experts i said you have to be good in your lane and i said that's how we're going to build trust moving forward i said let me throw my temper tantrum in silent over in the corner and i said i i will do my best to learn to actually treat people right and 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 then it just it was social conditioning and it was like i need a family i need it takes a village to grow to grow a captain and (laughs) like i was just like look i just got vulnerable i was like look y'all already tell me the truth because i am 'm I'm, I'm swimming in the deep end of the pool and I don't know how to get out uh, but I need help and I think that was the beginning of being clear around boundaries and what I would allow people to say to me as I began to build my self-esteem and my my confidence in, in the roles that I was in
0: you know that you you raised something that's really interesting for me and it's come up it's something that comes up a lot for me as well with other people now, but it used to be a big issue for me. And that's, that's tempers. Right. So I think one of the hardest things about, um, kind of when I look, when I talk to people or I work with people who are struggling sometimes with boundaries, sometimes with, with, um, with other things, uh, but it's that when, they find themselves, especially people who maybe are kind of notorious for having short fuses, um, that they struggle to get the information they need because people are afraid of their reaction. Um, And, you know, I, and it's funny to think of now because I'm so like not a hothead anymore, but like I used to be like super short fuse and I used to be very notorious for my temper. Um, and for just blowing up and, and, um, you know, now like nobody who knows me now, like, like you barely ever get emotional about anything. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like I've kind of gone to the other end of the, the other extreme. Um, but I think the thing that's, that's really interesting about, um, about what happens in that setting is that, you know, to your point, you you train people how to respond and how to behave. And I think the the thing that a lot of people who do have short fuses get, so, you know, I think people who have short fuses are okay with people who have short fuses. But I think what really is a struggle for them is realizing that not everybody is okay with that. Like not other, other people are not always comfortable. And, and, you know, there are so many people and people that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being bothered by it, who really back away from that kind of like uh, demonstrative emotional kind of reaction. You know, I, I used to work with, um, I used to work with someone who led an organization and he was very volatile. He was very emotional. He was very passionate. Um, he would get really worked up. He, he would, um, he would get loud and start yelling, even, you know, whether he was excited or whether he was mad, like he was just like, he was just a super like volatile demonstrative person. And he really, um, struggled to understand that some of his staff was really afraid of that. Like they, they were very uncomfortable with how, um, and so they would, they weren't telling him information. They weren't, they wouldn't share things with him because they were afraid that he would get upset and then he would yell and they, they weren't okay with him yelling. And so he really didn't. And of course, because he came from, you know, a, a, an emotional demonstrative family and his friends and everybody else, like were just comfortable with that way of communicating. He really didn't understand how he was scaring his employees. And this was such a huge ongoing kind of conversation. But to be fair, it, it also is the other side of boundaries, right? Because if you are not comfortable with that, and whether it's a boss or whether it's a colleague or a business partner or a spouse, I mean, my, you know, my my boyfriend now, right? He's very emotional and demonstrative. And sometimes he will have an emotional reaction. And we were just, he and I were just discussing this the other day. And I was telling him when I watch him have an emotional reaction to something sometimes, like the first thing in my head is, how is that helpful? Like, I just like, and I have an utterly rational response. Now for him, that's his process, right? He'll have an emotional reaction to something. He has to work through it to then move on to like actually addressing things. And so I am trying to be good about not judging it and like that's his process and I need some distance for it and let him kind of work through it. But still like my first thought every single time is how is that helpful? (laughs) And so it's, it's a very, um, and, and I think that's an interesting conundrum that I've been dealing with lately is, you know, I have gone out of my way to be very careful about you know, the influences in my life. Right. And so I'm good about my boundaries in a lot of ways about, you know what, I don't want toxic influences. I don't want massively negative people. I don't like, there are a lot of things I have gone out of my way to shed out of my life, but now I've got a partner who is very emotionally driven and he's very, um, you know, he's kind of this super passionate, hopeless, romantic, you know, on all fronts. And so sometimes that means that when he's upset, he will have like, he has to get it out of the system before he can come back to that. And so I con- I'm in this like tug of war between, okay, where's my boundary about like, you know, what kind of volatility I want in my daily life versus being respectful of the fact that that's just his process. And so for me, it's, it's just emerged. And again, you know, I used to deal with boundaries a lot at work and I feel like I've kind of like gotten a much better handle on the work version. Personal life version, way confusing for me still. And I'm like, I'm 45 years old and they hurt. <laughs> I'm still struggling with it. But I think that's an interesting line that you have to find how to walk, right? Is your boundaries versus being respectful of other people's process yeah. and emotional kind of need.
1: Yeah. And I, you bring up a great point in, in what was coming up for me as you were talking about that is how safe do people feel when they're in, they're interacting with you, right? And you, we talked about this before around the whole concept of psychological safety. Um, and, and again, that's all dependent on the types of experiences and all the other head cheese and stuff that's going on with, while people are experiencing you and whether or not those interactions have given them context clues that if it is safe to challenge when they are seeing somebody having emotional reactions to things and they're not easily going to the place where that's, that's just their process. I'll wait for them to get finished and then I'll engage. And, and again, understanding that this work of being a coach, which again, everyone can gain these skills of being more curious than confrontational. Then I tell people, I'm the, I'm my first coaching client. And I say that to myself all the time. Are you being curious? Or are you being confrontational? And sometimes I'm flat out confrontational just for the sake of being confrontational. I will call myself out on it. And my wife knows because she is straight up confrontational. She ain't even curious. She will come at me just as hard as she believes I'm coming at her and I love her for it, right? And so one of the things that we established cause she was like, I don't know if you're getting mad about that or if you're actually thinking about it. She was like, I don't really care. And she, she was, cause all the year, over the years of 16 years of marriage and relationship, I've reacted how I believed I wanted to react, and she's had to grin and bear it. And she's like, "No more, son. No more. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna have a react. I'm gonna call you out." And I think in that, when we try and create team environments around boundaries, um, we model uh, what we want, how we want to in- engage people. And I believe the biggest thing for me is upfront. And I love this process of the win-win agreement. Right? Of uh, what do you need for me? and to be successful right in the way that you want to be engaged in the conversation all the rest of these things and then really actually pay attention to what people say and then engage them from that space but oh by the way from time to time have an intentional check-in to see if it's still a real thing because people have this crazy tendency to to evolve (laughs) how dare we evolve but just check in like it's
0: and and not only not only that but, but As you get, I mean, you can go into a conversation or or into a setting with new people and say, okay, so these are the things that are important to me. And then you discover that someone has habits or a way of doing something that are just rubbing you the wrong way or that, oh my God, I never thought about that. We should do that instead. And, And you have to revisit that because you just, other people expose you to information you never previously assumed, you know, made sense or was applicable or even existed. I mean, how many things... And this is where I think it's really, um, it's to your point, you have to be your own first client because we learn more from other people and from having to interact with other people than we could ever learn being a a hermit, right? Other people will push our buttons, will expose us to a new way of thinking or will, you know, raise questions that we never would have asked ourselves. Like that's, that's what relationships are and they do. And so you can't ever assume that, Okay, great. This is, this is our starting point. Awesome. It's not going to stay there. We, like, it's going to take two weeks and you're going to discover, you know what? That jackass clicks his damn pen a hundred thousand times in a meeting. I'm going to break his freaking pen or I'm going to break his hand. Like what the hell? And you know, as a pen clicker, I've had so many people in meetings, like just reach over and like <laughs> smack my hand down on the no. table. Or I have had, you know, take the pen out of my hand because it annoys the crowd. I don't hear it. And so I totally, un- but I hear it when other people do, it drives me crazy when somebody else does, it, but I do it all the time, I never even notice. And so like, there's just like little like things that we don't think about that are part of our normal, you know, day in, day out existence, that until we start trying to actually merge our existence and our working style and all of these things with other people, that we get pushback or we run into problems or, you know, you, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's something that we don't, we don't necessarily think about when we start even even the most self-aware of us so self-aware of us are always going to discover that Hmm. wow never would have expected that from so and so and all of a sudden yeah know what we just found another boundary i have here (laughs) because i i I can't i can't actually run with that the way you're you're doing it so let's let's negotiate
1: so somebody just offered uh this great assessment tool, I know you love assessments like I do, um, and I need to actually talk to you about some, some Gallup stuff for my PhD work, but um, the it's called a predictive index, um, and basically, it's all around tendencies of teammates and people, and just, I think, when we become students of people, and students of how we engage to because everybody says, I want to be a part of a high-performing team. Well, the only way you ever get anything to be high-performing, it's that you understand the ins and outs of it. And so if something is knocking that shouldn't be, you need to, how are we going to address the knocking sound? Or if something is clinking and clunking that shouldn't be, how are we going to engage that clicking and clunking so we can address it, so it can get back to doing what it was meant to do. And I think that's the same way we need to address people, is that once we understand, like you said, once we engage people, once we un- begin to understand who we're actually in relationship with, and I love the, the Brene Brown connection, because now I've connected the, the being seen, being heard, being valued, as that's my definition of empathy now and holding the space and how I really authentically hold the space for somebody that way. And I think once we understand that, people will, they will tell you their boundaries and they will describe their, their boundaries through you sit, you just holding the space for them to feel seen, heard, and, and them to believe that they're valued. And you actually give a crap about how they, how they operate on a daily basis and what makes them move what motivates them what anger angers them what makes them sad what makes them you know all like just all of it mushy squishy whatever it is I think again we need as leaders and coaches like man just model curiosity like authentic curiosity and just like you know what I'm all in on learning how to help you be a better version of you that's all it is
0: and non-judgment. I think this is Boom. you know, I think and, and that one I think is sometimes the the it's it's the iceberg under the water, right? Because you can you can be curious, but you can still be judgmental. Like you I mean the two are not mutually exclusive at all. And and sometimes it's very easy to feel like you're masking the fact that you're judging it doesn't usually doesn't hide that well like i mean it's it's something that will typically surface and and even if you do a really good job of how you phrase it or how you manage your voice like ultimately if you're really if you're really you know hitting a point of judgment about something it'll usually surface and you can't you can't usually mask that from someone and the moment they feel it they're less likely to be honest about anything like i mean it's it's really hard to feel safe you know having an authentic conversation about something that's important if if you feel like you're being judged and that part i think is is something that people underestimate a lot right is that you know you you want someone to trust you you want someone to feel safe giving you you know personal enough information that it's going to make them feel vulnerable they can't feel like you're gonna you know be judgmental about it because the moment they feel judged it's really hard to feel like you're—they're not going to use it against you, or they're—they're they're not at least considering ways to use it against you. Even if they, even if they demonstrate restraint, it does—it still doesn't feel safe. You can't have both.
1: Yeah, I think that's—that's that's an awesome point, particularly around when we're being asked, like, what we need to be successful in different things like that, and and if we offer up and we're courageous enough. Like you said, to go there, like all of that's playing in our minds. Like if I put this out there, am, are they going to judge me? And I, and I think for for human beings like that have experienced a little bit of life, you're like, man, what are they going to do with this information? And we, you want us to be safe enough to tell you what's important to us. But like you said, on the other end, are you ready and mature enough to be able to handle it to where when somebody does something you're like oh there's that thing they told me about uh, ooh, I I know I said yes that I'm okay with it but I didn't know it was like that right and people could feel that people could feel you doing that like get your judgy eyes off of me like <laughs> we it's crazy but but, but we got to work through it
0: well and I think you know and that gets to that gets to what We all think we're so much better actors than we really are like, Oh my God, like really it's so, and this is where, you know, conversations about authenticity get kind of goofy because people really believe they're good actors. And it's like, you know what, even the greatest actual professional actors who are truly good, gifted, talented, trained actors still have to be able to like relax and be themselves. Like they, they, they can't be on all the time. It doesn't work. You know, how many, how many times have you had a case where, you know, I, I love it. Like family holidays are like probably a good example, right? Where everybody feels the need to be on good behavior. Well, you know what? If you're tired, if you're sick, if you're short fuse, or if you had a fight in the car with your wife on the way, like whatever, there's a million reasons that by the time you get there, you might not have the energy to be on legitimately good behavior. And so it's one of those things that I think is very, um, like I love uh, the, a lot of the self-discipline study because the idea that each of us has, that has emerged out of it for the most part is that each of us have kind of our own individual kind of well of self-restraint. And if we spend it all in, it's like a gas tank, right? If we spend it all in one place, we don't have it to spend somewhere else. So if it takes all of your self-restraint not to eat the chocolate cookies on the counter before you go to, you know, dinner at, at your, you know, crazy uncle who voted for Trump, then by the time you get there, you might not have the patience to sit quietly because you might've just spent all of that gas resisting the chocolate cookies on the counter. Right. And you have to, you I think understanding kind of the idea that there has to be a balance and you have to kind of cut yourself some slack. You cannot be on, you can't, you can't operate 110% all the time. And some things do require 110%, in which case that's fine, but you got to like, you know, be able to ratchet it back to 50, you know, in the down in, you know, alternate to alternately, so that you can recover and you can't, um, you can't ask yourself to be something that you're not like on a regular basis. And sometimes that also includes, you know what, I know I said I was going to be okay with whatever you had to say, but I, we need to have a conversation because I'm having a hard time with that. And, and that's, you know, one of those things that's really, really horrible. Because if you've convinced someone to tell you something that's tough for them to talk about, or they're worried about feeling judged, and then your reaction is, yeah, uh, turns out I'm judging you. Sorry. Um, that's a really, really tough conversation to have. But the truth is, you kind of have to have it. Because you're not hiding it as well as you think you are. Like in almost no case.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to lay this one down today. Because I believe as we begin to have more conversations around what's going on and as we begin to understand, no longer can we compartmentalize topics as off limits. Everything is, I believe everything's fair game now. And people are going to feel safe to feel whole, and to live authentic lives, everything has to be up for grabs. And everybody has to sign up, not for difficult conversations, not for tough conversations, but necessary conversations. Because again, this is this is a human race, humanity conversation that we need to have more often. And I, I thank you for always being game for this kind of stuff. Because I think in our pod weekly podcast, like this is, this is modeling conversation. Yeah. And, and again, they may be uncomfortable. We, again, not 100% agree all the time on the way you approach different things, but guess what? It's okay. It's 100% okay.
0: Well, and I think the thing that's also um, useful about us having these yeah. conversations, right. Is that, you know, you come from a, a background that includes the military and then move into manufacturing and mm-hmm. both of those models you could almost call like factory S kind of models, right? They yeah. are input in to get output out and yep. they want it to be a routine and they want it to be standardized. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, there's an idea that things can be processed and then spit out the other side mm-hmm. and look in a predictable way, right? And me mm-hmm. coming from tech, it's the same thing, right? We, we, we like to make everything into an algorithm and we like to make it nice and neat and very predictable. And the truth is, what both of us, I think, fundamentally have really had to come into is, people are messier than that. Like, human beings are not algorithms, and they are not factory machines that, you know, you can, like, take apart and put back together. Like, it doesn't work. We don't work that way. And, And I think the thing that's hilarious, and it always cracks me up about having these conversations with you, is that you and I both, I think, like the idea that it was that clean. It was that neat. It was that predictable. It was that executable. And anybody who doesn't, you know, get on board needs to just shut the hell up and go, go you know, be, do their messy little stuff someplace else. And then both of us, like, for different reasons and in different ways and in different times came to, dude, are you kidding me? I got to get into this messy crap now. Shoot. That wasn't the plan.
1: <laughs> just do your job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is... You know, and to be fair, this is where and it's so funny because this is kind brings back, brings me back to, you know, my boyfriend totally opposite. In fact, you know, uh, Myers-Briggs wise, he's actually the same as my business partner and my, my old business partner and my father, he's an ENFP. And so like we are, and I'm an ENTJ, he's an ENFP. And in both cases, you know, like I'm watching the, and the things that, that sometimes I catch myself reacting to
1: mm-hmm. in
0: him, same things that like I react to with my old business partner and my dad, I'm like oh my God, it's the same stuff. And and there is this, like, there's this argument in my head about mm. boundaries, boundaries. And then I'm like, dude, you know what? Like, you want people, you know, and this is, I think, part of my um, ongoing struggle with authenticity, right? Is that I want to be able to feel safe being authentic in the people in my, in my life. But that also means I have to extend the same courtesy
1: yep.
0: to those same people. And so, again, we're back to where's the line between you know, the boundaries that I feel are really important for myself and respecting what other people need and their, you know, their process and their own authenticity. And it's like, so, you know, when he has an emotional reaction to something and he just needs to like, you know, yell and stomp and, you know, kind of get it out of his system. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, when I was single and alone, I didn't have any yelling in my universe. I had a yelling free zone and i miss my yelling free zone but the truth is like i also recognize he and part of it is too because i did used to have a you know big temper problem like i i totally get that once upon a time i did need to yell and storm and slam doors and like and get it out of my system so that then i could move on to solving something and that was just part of my process and because it's not part of my process anymore I've kind of reorchestrated my life so I live in this like nice little quiet yelling free zone and all this is good and then here's this guy who has the same process I used to have and I'm like oh that's what that looked like dang
1: <laughs> I love it
0: what I like It's also super helpful for me because again I'm back to wow I didn't think I was being judgmental about that
1: and right back at it.
0: Exactly. So it's, I mean, people are like the best, the best lesson plan ever, because uh, every single time you think you figured something out, someone shows up and shows you that, yeah, no, dude, you scratch the surface. Yep.
1: You know, from from puppies to people.
0: Every single time, it's like, oh my god, oh my god, I thought I was doing so much better on so many fronts, and then one or the other, dude. The, the, between the puppy and the man, I'm like, oh, man, damn! I lessons. thought I that lit.
1: lessons, lessons, lessons. That's what it's all about.
0: Thank God, because otherwise, I swear it'd be boring as hell. It
1: would. It would.
0: Especially at, so especially in like this, like whole, like you know, shelter at home, never ending. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, dude, that would.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This helps this, this helps it when you get the opportunity to, to engage with the closest people to you and yep. uh love it
0: even when they push your buttons
1: <laughs> even when they push buttons
0: all righty pal. Well, I think we uh, I think we hit the it hit a good stopping point there that was pretty I think nice. did
1: that was awesome that awesome. was awesome
0: fantastic well I hope you have a magnificent week and I will you as well you.
1: all, all right. right see you later. bye bye
0: Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.